do design decisions involve value judgments? Andy Halliwell has gone and posted this question on LinkedIn as part of our redesigning D&T project and debates. I think this is a really tricky one to answer and our expert group felt that it was an important question that needed debating. Do design decisions involve value judgments? I think firstly, I'd be saying, what do you mean by a value judgment, a values judgment? And maybe in your response to Andy's question, you'll explore what you understand and what your views are of what value judgments are and then whether they actually impinge on or affect the design decisions that designers make and also that children make in D&T lessons. So do join the debate. We're always open to conversation and discussion on this. But for now, on to the next episode. This is the Talking D&T podcast, episode 112. Welcome to the Talking D&T podcast with me, Alison Hardy, a podcast for anybody interested in design and technology education, where I'll be sharing news, views, ideas and opinions about D&T. Hello, and I hope you've enjoyed the last three episodes where I've been talking about the redesigning D&T project. I just want to give an update on that. So the um, survey is going to close on the 30th of November. So that's only two days away. So if you haven't posted your thoughts about whether the questions that I'm asking, and if this, if this is the first time of listening to this podcast, you don't know what I'm talking about. So go back and listen to the last three. But if you have listened to those and you've got thoughts about those questions that I've posted, you need to get in there quick. I mean, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved in the project later on. So don't stress if you've not done it. But, you know, if you wanted to give some feedback on whether I was asking the right questions, then now is the time to be doing that between now and the 30th of November 2022. OK, so that's the that's the first thing. And then so I suppose secondly, I want to say thank you very much to everybody who has um, taken part in that survey. That's been really helpful. I've got a project team. I'm going to set up a meeting in the next couple of weeks or so to have a look at some of that data and then we'll be out for the next round of consultation on how we should be redesigning design and technology curriculum. So that's that's that part parked. Okay, so this week what I want to talk about is when do we teach knowledge in design and technology? Okay, so this is a big topic that I'm not going to cover in its entirety in this episode. And I'm also going to put the usual caveat. These are my preliminary thoughts. I'm not an expert. I've not done a huge amount of reading around this. I've had experience as a design and technology teacher about teaching knowledge and I'm hesitating there because if you've listened to the episodes before, you'll know that um, there's lots of different ways of defining what we mean by knowledge in design and technology. But I suppose really what I'm talking about here is declarative knowledge um, and maybe a little bit of procedural knowledge as well. So I'm not claiming here to be an expert. I never do in any of the episodes. I'm sort of sitting here and saying I'm an opinionated person. And again, if you've not listened to the episodes before, then welcome on board, because this is me giving my opinion about when and how we should teach design and technology knowledge. So I'm going to start by talking a little bit about some of my experience as a teacher. 
when I taught in secondary school. I'm going to introduce um, one perspective in this episode and I'm going to come back and talk about this again in another episode about some different ways of thinking about when to teach knowledge in design and technology. Okay, And I'm primarily talking from my secondary school experience. Um, so I'm not making a claim that this is relevant to those colleagues who are teaching primary. There, there may well be some insights there, <clears throat> excuse me, that I might share that you will find useful. But please don't think that I'm claiming uh, that everything I'm talking about is relevant to all aspects and all sectors of where design and technology education is taught. OK, so that's, I think I've got all my caveats out of the way. So so let's kind of dive into this. So this is not about what is design and technology knowledge. OK, I've, I've talked about that previously. This is more about when should it be taught. OK, and I'm talking about it, I suppose, more in the context of developing children's design and technology capability. This has kind of become a real focus of my some of the work that I'm doing with a number of different um, places at the moment, thinking about the intent, the purpose of design and technology is about developing children's design and technology capability. So when I think about when do we teach children facts about a material or about a process or a uh, a strategy for designing with, I would be thinking about it in the context of thinking about how is that going to develop uh, the children's design and technology capability. So when I talk about design and technology capability, again, I, I don't have any notes in front of me about this. So I'm probably going to misremember some of the things that I've spoken about in the past. But it's about developing their ability to make autonomous decisions. And I've talked about autonomy in the past and why autonomy and not independence making autonomous decisions that are in relationship to their designs as they're developing in relationship to a context. And to be able to do that, they have to draw on knowledge that they have or identify knowledge that they need, whether that's, as I said, declarative knowledge and sort of kind of what we might crudely talk about facts or procedural knowledge about knowing how we, we do things. So that's kind of it's in the round, but it's also about them developing their DNT capability, which involves them being able to justify their decisions, why they've chosen to use some knowledge and not other parts, why they've chosen to make some design decisions that are a product that they're designing does this and not that. Okay, so that's that's DNT capability in a in a nutshell. I'm sure there are people in the background going, no, you've missed something really important, Alison. But anyway, I just kind of wanted to give that as a quick overview, is that when I'm thinking about when do we teach knowledge, I think one of the first questions needs to be is, how is this knowledge that we're teaching to the children going to develop their DNT capability? So that's why I've just given that quick synopsis of DNT capability, because I think we have to, first of all, understand what we mean by DNT capability. And you'll you'll notice that here I've not spoken about that we're teaching their knowledge for their GCSEs, <clears throat> excuse me, or to pass an exam or to, to qualify in some aspect. This is about keeping at the heart of what they do, their DNT capability. And how this came about, this kind of thinking about it, was that I was in a conversation with quite a few different experts in design and technology. Excuse me, I've got a bit of a frog in my throat, so I'm going to have to keep stopping doing this and taking a sip of water. Um, and, and there's kind of like a dichotomy of views about when design and technology knowledge should be taught. And, and one person said, um, well, it needs to be taught just in time. So when they're doing a design project, the children recognise 
or the teacher recognises that the children need to know something new and, and that's when it's taught is in that moment. And somebody else said, they didn't say they disagreed, <clears throat> but they presented a different perspective that they would do, and, and I kind of don't think they said this word either, because um, this word brings me out in a rash. They did a theory lesson where they taught, you know, kind of a whole collection of related knowledge. So let's kind of break this down into what do we mean by an example. So I'm, I'm going to go back to um, when I was last teaching in secondary schools in, in Northamptonshire. I did this lesson about different metals. And, and I've kind of always done it when I was teaching. I taught for 11 years in secondary schools uh, in various different counties and different schools across, the, across England. And, you know, I'd, I'd often do this, this lesson. Um, now, I don't know whether this is because that was the way I was taught or the way it's presented in a textbook. So I kind of thought that was a way to teach it. But I would, I would do a lesson where I talk about the different categories of metals. So we talk about pure metals, alloys, and then the other categorizations, for example, ferrous and non-ferrous. Um, and kind of, I kind of work around those different categories and then introduce some specific materials, obviously the obvious ones around like mild steel, aluminium, and, and so on, that children have access to in a school, and then talk about some of their properties. But in this particular lesson in the school, I even remember the, the room that I was stood in, because kind of it brings me out in a hot sweat just thinking about it. I don't know why I did this, but I was talking about um, more metals than kind of maybe just some of the standard ones. And, and I started to talk about bronze. And I tell you what, my brain just froze because I, okay, okay, I knew it was an alloy. But I don't know whether I didn't have any good notes in front of me or I was lazy and I was relying on, you know, stuff that I'd done in the past and not checking in. I could not for the life of me remember what the uh, composition was of bronze. Don't ask me now. It's kind of like one of those, those blank moments I never want to think about again, about what, what bronze is, is composed of. But... And I actually took two or three lessons to go back to the children. I think almost every time I went back to the children, I said, I gave them a different composition of bronze. And I went away and I looked it up again. And it was like different again, you know, which I think is actually the case, if I remember rightly, on bronze. I'm sure some of you are sat there shouting at the speakers now going, Alison, it's this. Well, I'm sorry, but, you know, I kind of still can't remember. But but my point is, I think when I thought about that lesson since, I was thinking, why was I teaching them about bronze? I, mean, I can't even remember the design project we were doing. I mean, I mean, this is going to sound, I think it was um, candlestick holders and they were using mild steel, for goodness sake. You know, they were given a, a sheet of mild steel. Um, I feel like I want to go, this wasn't my project, it was somebody else's. But anyway, given a sheet of mild steel and then some other different bits of, of mild steel tube in, in different shapes, square, round um, and so on. And they would then cut it and cut it into different angles and then they would braise it on to the uh, mild steel sheet. What a nightmare. What a nightmare trying to braise tube onto a mild steel sheet that's kind of like, I don't know what, three mil thick, flipping neck, kind of setting them up to fail. Anyway, whole other conversation talking about my experience of braising um, when I was first starting to teach when I was 19. Anyway, so you kind of think, why, why are we teaching them about bronze when... We've made as the teachers the design decisions that they're going to use mild steel. 
I've not talked about the properties of bronze or mild steel, apart from these categorizations of pure and alloy and ferrous and non-ferrous. I've not used the language around strength, tensile strength, um, ductility, malleability and such. I've just talked about these different materials. What, what's going on there? How is that relevant? And I suppose with the with the distance of time, because that was 13 years ago um, when I last taught in a secondary school, I kind of thought, what, what, what was I what was I doing? First of all, I was making myself stressed because I didn't know what, what bronze, I couldn't recall what bronze was made of. But then secondly, I was thinking, why was I, was I teaching it when the children weren't going to use it? Anyway, so... In, in a way, that lesson was an example of what this person in this conversation had said as the opposite to just in time was kind of, to use a, a word, a phrase from Matt McLean's work about demonstrations, was kind of front loading. So what I was doing is I was stood in front of the class, chart on the board, you know, PowerPoint and whatever, different metals, categorising them, a little bit about their properties and a little bit about their uses. So I was front loading these children with this knowledge about design and technology and um, sorry about about metals. Now, there are pros and cons to that. So in this episode, I mean, I'm now looking, I'm thinking, crikey, I'm 12 minutes in. It's thinking about this idea about a theory lesson, which I do. Sounds very grand, philosophically struggle with. Partly, I think, because of this experience and and other experiences and then developing my own thinking and and confidence when we talk about design and technology capability is thinking why was I doing the front loading in that particular way in that moment um and so it just got me to thinking is yes I think there is a place for front loading right that kind of teaching the children about materials metals in this context before they handle them but we need to think about how we're doing it. And I suppose with hindsight, I may well have felt more about the categories and the concepts around the metals that maybe would have helped the children latch on to different things that then meant they could extend their knowledge. Now, what I mean by that is when I talked about the metals, I said I gave them these two categories, ferrous, non-ferrous, um, pure and alloy. So obviously bronze is an alloy. But another category that I could have brought in was their mechanical properties, and then another one, their physical properties. And I could have talked about some of the, the conceptual words, which are kind of abstract in a way, which I've already alluded to around tensile strength, um, ductility, malleability, and, and so on like that. My mind has now also gone blank on all of those terms at the moment, those concepts, which which I might have also used in a previous project section with those children when talking about fabrics or talking about woven fabrics or talking about timbers or man-made boards so what I mean is that would have helped the children think okay I've come across those terms before and now I'm being introduced to mild steel for example which we know is ductile and malleable to a point and then it needs annealing but I would have been able to teach them about these new metals, this new knowledge, but they could have latched it onto previous concepts. But also, I maybe wouldn't have done it by, 
a chalk and talk, for example, or a sage on the stage, if you want to use that kind of language. I might have done it in in the workshop where the children can handle the metal and they had a chance to hit it, bend it, file it. And they might have had mild steel. They probably wouldn't have had bronze, but we might have had some copper, you know, which is very different in feel and its mechanical properties, what happens to it when we do things to it, that then when they were designing their candlestick holder, if you don't, if you can't, you can't see me, but you know, I am rolling my eyes out loud at that point, that then they would have been able to have that comparison to know some of the limitations and the parameters about what they could do with mild steel. So when they were designing, they, they were able to make design decisions drawing on the knowledge they had. I'm kind of hoping that makes sense. So I've kind of thrown a lot of things in there, but really in this episode, I'm talking about this idea of front loading. And even as I've talked, I've kind of moved it more into into a lesson where they might be doing design work. But anyway, front loading some of that knowledge, but also building on previous knowledge they had by talking about some of that conceptual language, those conceptual definitions about properties of materials that they can then relate back to. So that's where I'm left with in this episode is thinking about what's the place of front loading and a theory lesson in relationship to developing children's design and technology capability. So that's what I'm thinking. I mean, there's more I can talk about there and I'm going to come back to this is thinking about how long does that knowledge then be retained? You know, you've heard me, I can't remember what bronze is. Um, and please, no answers on the postcard. But it has, it, it just makes you think about how, how do we retain that knowledge? And so then if we do want to introduce the idea about GCSEs, if we're teaching that in year eight, They've got three, four years to be remembering that for. Yeah, okay, we'll do revision lessons. I get it. But but it has to be active knowledge that they're using in design and technology. And I suppose this is the other thing, and that comes back to where I started, is when we're teaching declarative and procedural knowledge in design and technology education, when are we introducing it in such a way that it's going to be useful for the children in order to develop their design and technology capability? So that's what I want to leave you with in thinking about knowledge. I'm going to record another episode where I talk about this idea about just in time. I'm trying to think about how, how does a teacher plan around that? But that's some food for thought for you. So anyway, before I go, there's a couple more things that I just want to say. I've talked about the redesigning project at the start. <clears throat> I just want to mention, I, I don't have mentioned this too often. I've got a new book coming out in December. It's coming out on December the 27th. It's the second edition of the Debates in Design and Technology Education book. It's out with Routledge. Um, myself and Claire Vickery are hosting a book club between um, beginning of December and middle of January. It's all fully booked now, so I'm sorry there's no more spaces, but listen out for those. We're hopefully going to record those sessions and they'll come out as podcasts because what's really exciting about those, because this is an edited book, so there's lots of different people have contributed, that there's four uh, meetings that we're having as a book club and each one there's a different author coming along so we're going to focus on a chapter so we'll be sharing those in an episode hopefully if the recording goes well and then if you want to keep up to date if you think how didn't I know about this Alison then you need to be signed up to my newsletter there's a link in the show notes for you to do that 
And then finally, I put a blog post out at work this week. So I work at Nottingham Trent about Twitter, about should I stay or should I go? I'm not kind of sure. Um, have a read of that. I'll put a link in the show notes. Um, but as a result, I've had, I'm having a bit of a play with TikTok. As of this evening, I've got one uh, video out. I don't know how many more I'm going to do, um, but kind of come over and join me, see what it's like. I'm trying to find people that I know on TikTok. So if you're there, then make yourself known to me. I'm out there as Dr. Alison Hardy. Um, it'd be good to see what other people are doing. If for nothing else, A, you might give me something to think about and B, you might give me something to laugh about or C, I might pinch some ideas off you or D, I might get you on the podcast. Anyway, thanks for listening, folks. I hope you found that useful. I'll be back to talk about just teaching knowledge just in time in the next episode. You've been listening to the Talking DNT podcast with me, Alison Hardy. You can connect with me on Twitter at Hardy underscore Alison. Show notes and transcripts for each podcast episode can be found on my website, alisonhardy.work. Thanks for listening. Thank you.